This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm Ed Milet, fired up about today because this is a man that I've admired from a distance. We have some mutual friends that uh, connected us. And today is uh, about really the longest tenured WWE superstar in the history of the organization. Kind of the leader in the locker room, more television appearances than anybody ever. Had the streak at WrestleMania forever. But what I'm excited about is we get to talk out of character now, not just in character the whole time. So we can talk about life and growth and longevity and being productive with uh, someone who's highly qualified to do it. So my guest today is The Undertaker, a.k.a. Mark Calloway. So, Mark, thanks for being here, brother. No, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. The thing that stands out the most about you to me is you've been doing this a long time. Real long time. Like Real long time. When did you start it? 30 years with WWE, and then I was in the business another three years before I got that break. So, yeah, I'm going on 33-plus years in, in, the, in the wrestling business. And not only you guys – and by the way, many of you listeners are WWE fans, and many of you are not. And I think we're going to be able to navigate both worlds today. But, guys, you know, 30-plus years in his industry – the mental toll, the physical toll, the traveling toll, all of those things. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to my stuff, Mark. A lot of people who want to win. One of the things I always say is the best ability is availability. Absolutely. Being available. You've somehow done that better than any human being in the history of the WWE. What are some of the things that have been the key to that? Or was it just fortunate over time? Or were there things you think you did other guys didn't? I think – it's a little of both. I, I, I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, but I, I was, I knew my passion and I, and I realized that this business is so competitive that you, you have to be present and you have to make yourself available. And then you also have to realize that, you know, everything's kind of on a wheel. And sometimes you're going to be at the top of the, that wheel and sometimes you're going to be at the bottom. But the goal, obviously, is always to, to you know, you know, from try to kind of be up at that top. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times where, yeah, I would be at the top and then, you know, you'd start to slide down as other people come in and fresh faces or, you know, mm-hmm. and either you accept that mm-hmm. or you figure out, OK, what do I do to get myself back up to the top and become relevant? And um, I was I think I've, a lot of it was being fortunate, but a lot of it was not being content. And that's one of the things I always tell these young guys when they're, you know, they're coming up and they're kind of starting to get a little bit of the taste and a push. It's like, don't ever be content in this business because once you become content, you're satisfied and you cease to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and, and they look at you like, well, you know, well, I just got recognized at the Waffle House and got a free cup of coffee. And I was like, well, that's your goal. <laughs> you are in the wrong business, man, because it's too hard a life uh, to to not want to be at the top of that circle and, and to be at the top of the page. Yeah, I say that all the time. Like, guys, this is why I wanted Mark on today. Everything he's going to say is going to be part WWE, part life. And really in life, if you set these low standards for yourself, you keep hitting them, you're going to hold yourself back. What he's really saying is he set a higher standard. and 
By the way, everyone, I, I got to tell you this. I was just telling Mark, I just watched the entire, I guess you call it docu-series or documentary called The Last Ride that Mark is a part of. It's gripping. It's not just WWE. It's about life. It's about family. It's about he and Michelle, who's going to be joining us at some point probably today as well. And one of the things that I noticed about you, brother, on the, that 30-year arc was how hard you are on yourself, mm. how self-aware you are particularly as it, as it opens, I won't give the whole thing away, but it opens up with your match with Roman Reigns. Right. And you were injured at the time and, you know, maybe not at the top of your game. And to watch you watch you back in that video, it made me emotional. I was out on my balcony alone. It was like 11 o'clock last night. And I literally got tears in my eyes because I so admired your self-reflection, your awareness and your desire, even at, at that time, you're probably 52, probably in your 50s already, yeah. right? You're, he's 55 years old, guys. And if you're watching YouTube, look at this man's physique, right? But talk about that, like setting that standard for yourself, being aware, you setting the highest standard for yourself, not, not Vince, not someone else, but you. Yeah, I'm, I'm my toughest critic and I always have been. Um, you got everybody telling you through the course of your career, especially when you're coming up, oh, man, you're great, you're this, you're that. And I mean, yeah, that's fine. And, but you have to, you've got to take that and you, you have to put it aside. And it's like when I, when I watched my back, when I was coming up and I watched my mat, my matches back, um, good, bad, indifferent. I always had to watch them alone because I didn't want any feedback from anybody else saying, Oh man, that was, that was great. That was, Oh man, when, how did you do that? That was so cool. You know, I wanted to watch, even on the good stuff, I wanted to watch and see what I did wrong. Mm. You know, I wanted to know what, okay, in that situation, what could I have done better to make that match better? And that's, like I said, that's how you continue to grow. The Roman match at WrestleMania, I was, that was tough. Um, and, and what was so good about the doc was that was the actual first time that I watched it back. Whoa. Being later in my career, I was, at that point when I watched it back, I was pretty much done. I was just like, I can't, my body's give out on me. I can't. Um, and, and I have to start thinking long-term after 30 plus years. And uh, so that was, that was really raw and, and, and real uh, because I knew, I knew, I knew it was going to be tough to watch. Um, and then having to do it in that environment with cameras on me. And yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. And, out of, and out of character too, right? I mean, completely out of character, right? So yeah. you got what you got is 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 Mark thinking in his head, like you know, there's a lot of things that I wanted to say, obviously that would have been bleeped and 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 edited, just because I was so disappointed, and not just disappointed for me, I was disappointed for for Roman in that sense. I saw that yeah. because it was it was my it was my opportunity to to give him something that was going to push him, you know, that was going to push him to a higher level. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, I didn't deliver on that. Um, and I can't make excuse. Yes, I was banged up and beat up, but I was there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I have a response in my mind. I have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. If my name is on, is on the page, then you got to go. And I was just, I got, I knew when I knew in January that I was physically, I was physically not going to be at my best, but it was too late at that point. Like mm -hmm. I'd already committed. It's yeah. already down. This is what's going to happen. 
And I was scrambling, trying to figure out how to, you know, how I was going to make this work. And it just, um, I, I was, yeah, I was thoroughly disappointed. And, and, um, and then there we go. Then the documentary kind of gets, gets rolling. Cause initially, you know, initially it was just, I had those guys there to, to cover that weekend. Mm. Oh, is I, that right? That's all yeah, that was going to be. It was all it was going to be. Cause I said, I, cause I thought that was going to be it. Yeah. All, the stuff with the hat and the coat, everything in the ring, all that was, that was just raw and real. Mm. And, um, you know, so I, I just, I'm not going to get another chance to catch the stuff backstage and, and my interactions with my peers and Vince. And I just wanted that and not knowing what we were going to have, but I knew that I wasn't going to have another chance to get it. Yeah. It, guys, I got to tell you, Mark, Mark's being humble. I don't care if you're a WWE fan or not. If you're a fan of achievement, of redemption, of comebacks, which a lot of people need right now, um, learning about a beautiful marriage and how it can make a man stronger. Uh, you should go watch this. I, I got to tell you, the last ride, it was, I watched the entire thing. And the thing that, you know, the reason the show is called Max Out and Mark Persona, you're talking about maxing out a career. That's the definition of Mark's life in the WWE as the Undertaker. He's maxed out that career. And, and I'm, I have a funny feeling he's not done, which we'll talk about at the end. But, um, <laughs> but I got to tell you all something. What he's describing here, guys, this not believing your press clippings thing, not buying into all the rah-rah and hype and accolades you get. I talk a lot about is your will to win for sale. And yeah, people can lose their will to win when they lose, but you can lose your will to win when you win. In other words, enough accolades, enough money, enough success, it buys your will to still want to get better. It buys your will to want to improve. The thing that I love about Mark and watching him was you can't buy this man's will to win. And I think that's linked to the 30-year-plus career. Other guys, the accolades, the success, the access to different things at some point stole their will to prepare. And I'm not doubtful that you didn't get off track a couple times, but you kept getting back on track. And I got to ask you, because even as you're talking, it's a little odd for me to talk to you as Mark, because right. I think unlike, this is why The Last Ride is so interesting too. You've done very few interviews ever, not as the character. Did you take that to the extreme? Like, I'm just... I ran into you in an airport when I was very young. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But like you were in character at the airport when I was there. We were at a baggage claim, guys. And I don't know how old I was. And Mark and I aren't even that far apart in age. But I was on like one of my first business trips. I was at a baggage claim. I never came. I didn't say anything to you. But I watched you interact with the fans. First, you had your bag with you for about 40 minutes, brother. And you've probably done this hundreds of times. And I watched you talk to every single fan, take every single picture shake every single hand. And I watched him look them in the eye too. And I said, I like this dude, but you looked like the undertaker, not with the, you know, the eye makeup on, but it seemed like you were kind of halfway in character. Am I crazy? Or did you do that in real life when you went out? No, I, I live this thing. Uh, I, I really did. When I, when I started and this character was so unique, especially for the time period, um, Vince had all these over the top, these all over the top characters and uh and he and he gave me this the whole the, the original likeness the name was all vince's brainchild mm. and he gave it to me and he said this is your opportunity mm. and so i took it from there so you know when we developed when i started developing the character i was like there's only one way that this is going to work 
and it was a lot simpler back then because there, you know, there, there wasn't cell phones and, and people recording everything that you do. But I said, I've got to be this for this to work. I can't be that on TV and then be at the airport in a Hawaiian shirt, you know, slapping high fives and, and because it, it, it was too big to me, it was too big a, a disconnect. And there was a lot of opportunities that I was presented with early on that I passed on. Like people thought I was absolutely nuts, but you'd have to realize that this was my passion. Like being a professional wrestler, being with the WWE, that was, that was me right there. I mean, that's what my focus was. And yes, I had opportunities to go and, and do a lot of different things, but in my head, like, okay, okay, this is, this is my, this is my passion. Now, how am I going to go off and do this and be this completely different character and be the, and then come back and expect people to buy into what I was doing. There's all the elements of being the greatest. So he's being humble, but he's the greatest of all time. He's the most respected guy in the locker room, most longevity. By the way, he's not going to tell you this kind of known as being involved in maybe three of the top three matches of all time also has one guy in common him and and guys, forget what you do. You're an engineer, listen to this. You're a school teacher, listen to this. You're an entrepreneur. There are elements that he's giving you that are the pieces to being great. And one of them, I'll help him say this because he's got so much humility, is his loyalty. It's his loyalty. When he's saying he passed on things, let me be specific. He passed on movie roles and things like that that he could have done out of character. There were times where he was offered more money to leave the organization like other guys did that were hot and he stayed and was loyal. And I think loyalty is a very undervalued commodity in becoming a leader. And you're sort of a leader in the locker room for that organization. I gotta think that, and I like you to talk about both these things, Mark. One is being a leader and the way you do it, because I get the feeling you're not a rah-rah dude, jump up and down and you know all that, but you are a leader in the organization. And then since we're on that topic, Talk about the very unique relationship you have with the overall leader of the organization in Vince McMahon. It seems that that's become a special friendship forged through loyalty, probably more than anything. And I got to think that friendship's been both good to his career and your career as well. So speak to those couple things. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as the, you know, being the leader, it was never really, it was never really something like I, I tried to pursue. It just, it just kind of happened through the years. And, I, I fell into this unique position where the the boys, the guy, the wrestlers, um, you know, they saw what the business meant to me and that the business always came first, hmm. no matter what the business came first. And as far when we're out on the road, obviously, you know, your family comes first, but in a business sense, when I'm, yeah. when I'm on the, I don't care how late we stayed out, how, whatever we did nightlife wise, it did not affect the next day's performance. If it did, then you knew you were going to get, you know, you get pulled aside and say, look, if you can't handle this, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this because at the end of the day, it depends on what we do for our audience the next day. Mm-hmm. Guys appreciated that, okay. but they, they knew like, okay, Hey, you know, takes one of us, he goes out and he has a good time just like everybody else. But at bell time, all that goes out the window until after it's all over with. And th- so, yeah, so there was this, 
I had, and then I had the, also, I had the, the trust of what we call the office, you know, it was, there's the office and then there's the boys. Okay. Somehow or another, I kind of landed in the middle. Hmm. Like I was always accepted as one of the boys, but the office knew that, that they could, they could trust me. Hmm. And there were a lot of times like our, whoever our, um, our, uh, our talent relations VP was, there was a lot of times they would come to me and say, Hey, this is, you know, we're having this, this issue and I could go to the guys or a guy or a person, pull them aside and say, look, man, you know, I understand. And they appreciate that because they know that I've been through every, everything possible to go through. So, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, well, you know, Undertaker's a stooge for the office and he's trying to, <laughs> right. You know, they trusted me. So I had that trust on each side, but I could, many times I could talk to somebody and say, Hey, look, this is, this is their perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand your perspective because I'm, you know, I'm talent, right? I'm talent. I'm, I'm with you. So a lot of times that happened and I could divert bigger issues with guys mm. if they could kind of get over, you know, if they could get over the ego and then they knew and they trusted me enough, like, well, you know, Taker's not going to screw me over. Mm. So it worked out. It worked, it worked out really nice. And then with Vince and, and the loyalty and everything else, I, um, uh, <clears throat> So I was told by WCW, I was told I went, I, I'd been there for about a year. My contract was coming up and I went in to renegotiate my contract and I wasn't looking for a huge bump, but I was looking for, you know, I'd been, I had a pretty good year and I was just looking for a slight, just a slight bump. And I was told by, you know, Jim Hurd, who was running the company at the time, Ole Anderson and Jim Barnett. They looked me square in my eyes and they said, you're a great athlete, but no one's ever going to pay money to watch you wrestle. Seriously. Okay. That's all I needed to hear. So Vince, so I get a meeting with Vince and you know, he eventually gives me that opportunity and that's all he ever promised me was an opportunity. He didn't ever told me, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be this guy here for 30 years and, do all these things. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity. When I did become a commodity, when WCW wanted me back, you know, they wanted to pay me big bucks because they were paying everybody big bucks. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, I, I can't do that. I got, you know, they're offering me a lot more money, but this is the man who made me. And, and that's just the way it is. And then obviously we just are, we've been through so much together mm. professionally, personally, that, um, you know, most times now I don't even deal with Vince hardly when it comes to business. Mm. Our, our relationship 90% of the time is more of that of friends than it is of, of business. Unless there's a special ask that nobody else wants to ask me to do, then they, they, they say, okay, you're the only one that's going to be able to get him to do it. So, yeah. Well, I think what comes to you second nature, which is loyalty, isn't second nature for most people. And I think that's one of the other elements. I see Michelle sitting back there. Yeah, finally, yeah. Come on in. So there's Michelle, everybody. And when y'all get the chance to watch this docuseries, you'll get it. Okay. But I'm glad you joined at the perfect time. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Because what I want to shift to involves both of you. And I want you both to comment on it. Let's be real. We just had COVID. 
right? The economy's in the tank, you know, things aren't going good. There's millions of people that have had a job and lost it right now. There's entrepreneurs that had a business that are losing it. There's people that got really fit the last couple of years. I haven't even go to a gym in three, four months. They've lost a little of their fitness. Bottom line is there's millions of people around the world right now that need to make a comeback. And as I was prepping for this, and then I watched the last ride, I'm like, oh man, all right, this is perfect. Because what really happened was, guys, when you watch this, it's really becomes a part of how these two people in love with each other unify and create a comeback in his career. Because Michelle was a, is and was a WWE superstar in her own right, everybody. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute too. But talk a little bit about the comeback, because it's pretty cool when you watch it. Like, I don't know if it's a broken down CDU repair place or whatever that thing was that you were training in. It was, uh, yeah, it, that place, that place hadn't been touched. It was not sanitary. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't think anybody had even walked in that place in over 15 years. Oh, it was bad. It just yeah. blew my mind because I'm like the, the greatest WWE superstar of all time ends up making his comeback in a place that's like, no one's been in for like, it looked like they're in the middle of nowhere, like an abandoned whatever they were in, you know, and, and that's where the comeback started. But let's talk about that for a minute. I want to set the stage for everybody for whatever your career is. This is a man who's climbed to the top of his industry, right? And Michelle's also been at the top of that industry. He ends up for his last, he's going to have his last match and doesn't go the way he wants it to. And over time, it gnaws at him a little bit. Like anybody, he wants to make a comeback. It's like many of you right now listening to this, driving in your car, or you're finally back on a treadmill at the gym listening to this. And imagine after 30 years, his body's beaten up. He's already been to the top. He doesn't need to do it. He's already the most admired dude in the sport, yet he makes a comeback. What were some of the things mentally that you both had to do in order to create the mindset where you're willing to go do that work again. Like you changed your body that the, the Roman Reigns match to the comeback match. My, I mean, you just physically look like a different person, right? So talk a little bit mentally what you had to do to do that. What were some of the elements and both of you can comment on it. I think one thing that's key for both of us, it's a blessing and a curse is we're both completely stubborn. So sometimes though that, helps out like in situations like this you know we both have the mentality of you gonna do something you're gonna get it done and do it right and go after it you know and just give it your all and I think yeah you know being stubborn helped yeah I definitely wasn't gonna let that be the last memory that people had of me so I knew you know as you get older you you just you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to put in twice the work and get half the results. You have to accept that fact. So I had to make the, we had to make the, the mental decision like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I mean, we got to go. And she's like, all right, if that's what you want to do, then we're going to do it. So on her end, she, you know, she drops everything that, that, that she's got to do to make sure that I've got meal prep and I've got, you know, all my appointments lined up like for, for rehab, stretching, all, all these different things that, that normally that just, she took all that worry off the table. And then, so then it's just the training aspect. And then the training was obviously getting my, getting my hip fixed, which was covered pretty well in the, in the, in the dock. <laughs> um, that allowed me to train at a much different level. Yeah. Um, and then that was kind of a, that, that alone was a breath of fresh air. 
Although, right. although it's a, you know, that's one little part of yeah. the, 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 of my body that I have issues with, but that was the main one. Was there doubt, Mark, like, hey, I'm going to come back and have a second match I'm not proud of and I'm going to embarrass myself or something like that? Because I think a lot of people right now that are thinking about making a comeback, they're like, if I fall on my face again, I don't know if I can handle doing that again. Did you have any of that? Did you, Michelle, were you worried about that? Um, no, but I know how he operates, and I was worried that he was – I mean, knowing him, I think it's safe to say you're probably thinking about it. It was in the back mm -hmm. of your head, which is the reason you're going back in the first place, because you weren't happy of, you know, from the last yeah. match. and just kind of out there to prove something. So um, I knew he wanted to do it, but I think in the same regard, we're both the type of people, you can't fear failure. If you're going to do it, go out there, you know, learn from the past mistakes. And like he just said, train the best way possible for his body to get into the ring and, you know, see what happens. You just can't fear, fear that failure. It looked to me like, and I think there's a huge lesson in this, guys. I'm seeing, I want y'all to watch this thing. I, I'm not pumping the documentary. I'm just telling you it will make an impact on you. And I, a WWE fan, of course it would. But the millions of you listening to me right now that aren't, it'll make an impact on you or where you are in your life. You're going to see, you're going to see what, Michelle, they're both really humble people. You're going to see what Michelle did. I think what made the comeback work, guys, I don't think you can dabble in your comeback. Like they threw the kitchen sink. It was like shock and awe at this thing. All hands on deck. The whole family rallied. They get this place set up. Even the little details, Mark, of like the banners of the other dudes and you up in there. Like you're looking. You said at one point you said those guys are watching me, right? Mm -hmm. Like to me, man. Like that was in, it was like a almost like a real life Rocky movie for real. And then everybody, and I'll warn you of this. Then he comes back, and he does great. But it's not even really what he wished for. It wasn't right. like it was, it was a five minute match. I mean, he trained for 30, 40 minutes. And so even when you get your comeback, the first time you come back, it may not even be exactly what you wanted. And then he went past that moment. True, Mark? It wasn't what you were looking for. Yeah, yeah I trained I trained for a 45 minute all out back and forth war and was so ready for that. And then I got there the day of and that's that's you know, it's gonna be five minutes and you're going to be a romping, stomping dragon. And, you know, and that's what we sell. I mean, we sell, we, we, we sell entertainment. We don't sell time. And. But we were just talking the other day about how life and wrestling matches are so parallel, right? Like, you know what your ultimate finish is going to be or what you would like it to be, but you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get beat up. You're going to have like a little hope spot where there's this ray of light, like, Oh, I can do this. You're going to get knocked back down again. You know, then you have this comeback and it can be this great comeback and you can finish on top or it can be a great comeback and then you just get knocked back down. And what do you do from there? You know, you can, it's your choice. What happens? Yeah. But what happens there, if you decide to stay down, then that's, that's, that's kind of going to dictate the rest of your life. Really. If you right. accept it, if you accept where you're, you're at, I couldn't accept after watching that match back, I couldn't accept leaving on those terms. Mm -hmm. And then uh -huh. I, I knew I, where I wanted to be, and I knew, like, okay, this is this is what we got to do to get to get to the point where I want to be. That's powerful, man. Like Malcolm X has this great quote that says, "That which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate." Mm -hmm. You almost have to hate where you're at, and that's not a negative thing to want to move out of it. If you accept it, as you said, you're there. Speaking of that, like life story, Michelle, if I, can I get personal a little bit with you guys? Okay. Oh, you got uncomfortable. <laughs> You're like, I think so. No, I, I always do that on the show. So, 
So I want to know what really makes this work because, guys, that was part of their comeback. But I watched you, Michelle. I noticed, like, little things. Maybe I'm crazy. You had a jacket on at one point that said, God is dope. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how faith, whatever you want to talk about that, how faith plays into your lives or your marriage, and it, does that give you strength, or is that not part of your life or just a random jacket I saw? Oh, no, it's not <laughs> random by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. No, that definitely gives us strength. Um, doesn't mean life's going to be any easier. Doesn't mean we're going to have stuff thrown at us that, you know, sucks. Uh, but that's life. And we just have to trust that, you know, whatever's meant to be, it's in God's plan. And we've, we've had a lot of things we've had to overcome that people, you know, they forget that you're people. And so we've had a lot of issues that we've had to overcome personally while all this is going on. And yeah, we have to lean on our faith. Without getting super personal, but I, I want, if you will, I want to talk about this for just because I want to help people. This shows to help people, right? And everything's in perspective. You know, you've lost your career. It's horrible, but you can come back from that, right? Um, tonight, I have a series of interviews where I'm the guest the rest of the day today. And then I fly on a red eye, and tomorrow morning, I'm at the funeral for a 25-year-old boy that uh, was the son of a friend of mine. And one of the most emotional moments on my show is I had a woman on named Jenna Kutcher. And she's had children, but they also lost a child. She miscarried. And I know that that's, you guys have had loss in your lives as well. How have you dealt? Has it been your faith? Has it been, has it strengthened your marriage when you've gone through loss? Do you mind talking about either specifically or generally how you guys have gone through loss together? Yeah. Um, we, I retired in 2011 to try and have a baby. And, um, didn't think that was anything, you know, no big deal. I'm going to retire. I'm young. I'm healthy. My mom and her sisters have had kids. We'll come to find out I struggle with infertility. And so did IVF first round shots. Don't bother me. Only produced. I have a problem with producing eggs. So the quality, the quality's fine. Quantity just doesn't exist. Um, produced four eggs, two matured. We transferred both and had our daughter Kaya. Okay, no big deal. Like the shots don't bother me. This is perfect. We can do it. So I think when she was, all I've ever wanted is kids. And um, so when she was seven months old, we started trying again. And mind you, again, this is, you know, during all of his comebacks for the past seven years, surgery, train, WrestleMania. I've done 14 rounds of IVF, um, three miscarriages. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's hard. It doesn't make sense, you know, but you know, there's a reason. So, um, we have to lean on each other and that's what we do. Um, we're obviously blessed. I know there's people out there that can't have any kids whatsoever. So, and believe me, the one we have is a handful. So (laughs) there might be a reason, but, um, well, thank you. I'm really grateful. I wasn't sure whether I was going to ask you that or not. And I'm really grateful that you shared it because one, I want people to know that you are human beings and that, you know, everyone's saying to me right now, man, there's a lot of people in pain in the world. There's always a lot of people in pain. There's just a lens on it right now that might be a little bit more bright. And I, I, I'm so great that you're willing to say that because I want people to see, look at these two people. They're in love, right? Like two people in love can do great things in their lives in spite of tremendous obstacles. Right. Like Mark lost a brother, I think, this year. You've had these miscarriages. You've 
had these injuries, you've had physical setbacks. And that's why I wanted to start with faith and then see if you were willing to share that. I want you all to know that you can win in your life and you can have redemption in your life. And that part of life is going through really difficult times in life. And I really appreciate you sharing that because it really, there's a lot of people in the world who are going through something like that. And uh, I promise you, you sharing that's made a difference. So thank you. I really well, do appreciate it. I hope I had so. a feeling when you get here, the interview would get better. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just Mark. I accepted it. I accepted I'm, it. I'm just kidding. I don't want to make Mark mad at me. So I was just kidding, brother. So well, there's one. Go, you're going to say something, Michelle. Go ahead. I shouldn't. Never mind. What's that? <laughs> She's about to go too far. <laughs> so couple of things I want to talk about. We're, going to, we're not going to have a ton of time, but I want to make sure I cover a couple of things that are important to me. I want to ask you both the question because I think it's super unique experience you both had. What's it feel like to walk out in front of 20, 30, 40, 50, 80,000 people? What is that? All the work, all the training, you know, all the dreaming of it. What is that moment? I got, I got, I've had the good fortune. I'm getting goosebumps to speak in front of crowds that big, right? So, but from your perspective, what does it feel like to actually be living your dream? Like you step in and you're actually, there's had to be a moment I've had them where you're like, I'm in the middle of my dream right now. Mm -hmm. Like I dream this and I'm doing it. What is that like for each of you? Yeah, it's cool. I, I remember first big WrestleMania, uh, you know, you walk out and there's all these people and I'm a bad girl on TV, but all I want to do is just smile from, you know, <laughs> cheek to cheek. I'm just looking around like this can't be real. And I'm supposed to be really, you know, mean right now, but, look at the, you know, this is amazing. It's just, um, it's hard to soak in those moments in the moment. So it's really important to try to remember to soak in those moments, you know, in the moment because they're, you know, they won't always be there and they are very special. What about you, Mark? Yeah, it, it, it's just amazing. When I decided to start in on this journey of being a professional wrestler, I never could envision wrestling at Texas stadium in front of over a hundred thousand people. I mean, and that, that happened late. That, that happened late in my career. We broke the indoor attendance record and all that, all that stuff. And it was just, I just remember like, and, and trying to be in character and, 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 and focus on what I had to, to do, but it was pretty damn cool. And it makes, it makes all that training. Yeah. It makes all the, the aches and pains that I live with every day. Forget about it. You forget about it just for that. People ask me why my, my entrances are so long. <laughs> it's I, I just, it, you, you absorb all that energy, but you know, that's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm like, this is, and this your is, hips and knees are pretty bad. So well, their hips and knees are bad. Not as <laughs> in general, but there wasn't always a, there was always a time, you know, there was a time when I was healthy and, but it was just, it's just amazing to feed off of that, that energy. And, and it's amazing what that energy does to you physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, it, it's the, it, it, it's more for me, especially it, it's more, that's more of a payoff than what the monetary uh, is going to be. It, it really just it you still chase you know, that feeling. If we're being real, are you yeah, still chasing that, that feeling? That's why I've been doing it. I tell you, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a very, I don't know what. It's a very weird web that I weave because my mind tells me 
when I get ready for something, regardless of how I feel, which normally, I mean, I have my, you know, I have my aches and pains, but on that way to the ring, I feel invincible. Mm -hmm. I feel invincible and like I could do it forever. Uh -oh. And then I, and then I could go, then I go and do what I have to do. And then I come back and the adrenaline wears down and that's <laughs> when reality sets in. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. so that's the, that's the, 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 you know, the game, that's the, the wheel that you're on there. But uh, that walk to the ring, man, there's, there's nothing better than that. And it will definitely mess with you mentally. You're like, shoot, I could do this forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're kind of proving that's true, but I, I, <laughs> it is, it's interesting to me because of all people to hear someone say that probably with you, it's the coolest just because you're so stoic when you're doing it. You know, right. you don't get to express that energy until you actually get in the in the ring in your in your character, but I'm also curious. And Michelle, I'll have you answer this too? But what about as I think as pressure increases, great people at anything have a way of almost slowing down and performing at a higher level. And one of the things, Mark, in your case is in some of the biggest moments you've delivered the best, right? Like I think to the Shawn Michaels match or. The Triple H stuff. I mean, those are those are known as like from a, and I'm not a wrestling expert, but from an execution standpoint, like the best execution in the biggest moments in the history of, you know, the the entertainment of your sport. Talk about that a little bit for both of you. Have you been able to do that? Like, do you are you able to get more focused and execute at a higher level when the pressure's there? Has that separated you from say guys that don't last thirty years? Because I, I have to think it does. Yeah. No, you want – I do, any personally. I, I want that that job. And what's so funny, uh, especially there's, a, there's another layer to that. Like when you get to WrestleMania, there's nothing – I mean, to get to WrestleMania, all right, that's, that's awesome to be on the card. I'll be on the card with somebody with Shawn – like the caliber of Shawn Michaels. But then you're – then the ego kind of kicks in a little bit too where – you don't put this match on last, you're making a really big mistake. So that's especially on the first one, like we felt like we should be on last. And it's like, okay. Not only we were, I, I mean, you can't, Shawn Michaels could have a great match with a broom, okay? I mean, that's just how great he is. So, and it's, it's fun to be able to work with guys like that because I don't have to worry about them. One, he's not intimidated because he's in the ring with The Undertaker. And so I don't have to worry about what Shawn Michaels is going to do because I know Shawn Michaels is going to do Shawn Michaels, which allows Undertaker to do Undertaker. And then because there was an incredible chemistry, it was just a phenomenal result. Um, I don't think anybody wanted to I, I, follow that match. Yeah. I, I bet they all wish y'all were on last. <laughs> But that did put a little bit of a chip on our shoulder as well. It's like, okay, all right, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's go do this, right? But, yeah, you have to – I mean, you have to want to live for those moments. That's the – that's the – you know, you're down, you're, down, you're down six points in the Super Bowl and you're on your own 10-yard line and you got to drive the field. You want those moments if you want to be great and you want to – consider yourself one of the greats if you want to have that drive that takes you down the field and score you want to steal the show yeah. at wrestlemania that's it 
if you don't want to steal the show, you you shouldn't be there. It's not always going to happen, but you've got to have that desire. And if you don't desire to have those moments, then you know it, you're really you're missing out on on the whole the whole big picture of the thing. You just heard the mindset, y'all. You just heard the mindset, and I don't care who you are. You know their moments have been in front of thousands of people. But if you're a human being, there's going to be a handful of moments that define your life. Every human being, there's a handful of moments that define lives. And it could be the moment where an opportunity is presented to you in a business and you take it and jump on it or you don't. It could be the moment where you meet your soulmate and you find the courage to walk across the room and talk to her or him or you don't. Right. There's these moments. Look at him. There's these moments. What I like, I kind of got from this from this thing too, is like I think Mark's like a little bit of a softy romantic dude too, which is sort of bizarre when I'm watching the Undertaker, <laughs> you know. Definitely, yeah. He gets a little offended when I always say that I never want it to meet him because the time he didn't look all warm and fuzzy. It's not like he's the most inviting character to look at on TV. And he's always like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like, who would want to? But she follows that. You you follow that up that with you fo you follow that up with you know I'm really not into long hair and tattoos. Or, I'm wait not. A minute. That was the truth. I'm not so warm and fuzzy. That should tell you that sweet <laughs> sweet personality won me over after many 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 months. I'm, <laughs> I'm not warm and fuzzy. And I don't want I don't want to meet him. He's not warm and fuzzy. I don't like long hair and I don't like tattoos. So yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my guy. Right, that's my green man. That's my green man. Well, hey, you don't get to say that. Because as beautiful as Michelle is, you picked her evidently because she could throw a football. Right? Like, seriously. Priorities. Tell, tell him. I want you all to hear this. This is how this man selected his soulmate. Tell him. <laughs> this helps. Simple-minded. No, this, this, this helped considerably. I actually, I should be worried that that's actually, no, 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 no. Actually, the first thing, I mean, obviously, you can tell she's beautiful, and I way outkick my coverage. Okay. I said it. <laughs> first thing that I... First thing that the first thing that I, right? I, I practiced more so than anything was our work ethic. That that caught my attention more than the blonde hair, blue eyes, and everything else that goes with that. It was her work ethic. Okay, so she's on the radar, right? <laughs> so so early, you know, on a TV day, we get there sometimes noon, one o'clock, and the 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 crews haven't set up the the ring and the chairs. So you, you're basically got the whole floor of an, an arena. Yeah. So I used to have in one of the cases on the trucks, I had, a, I had a football. So kill a little bit of time during the day. If we didn't have anything to do, you know, some of the guys would get out there in the arena, you know, throw the ball back and forth. Right. Some guys can throw a football. Some guys can't throw a football. <laughs> I happened to be out there with a few guys that day that could not throw a football very well. So anyway, uh, somebody drops one. Something happened. The ball hits the hits the floor and is rolling, and here she comes. She was walking out onto the floor, you know, and she picks the ball up. It was about I I want to say probably about a thirty yard, thirty five yard spiral. I mean, it was it was a bullet. <laughs> caveman kicked in. I was like. I've never seen, I had never seen a girl throw a football like that. I mean, I'm telling you, and like the funny part is awesome. like a couple of the guys just like dropped their head, 
shrugged their shoulders and walked out of the arena. <laughs> we, we ended up throwing the football back and forth again. I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. So Mark told me this story, but we were doing an interview with Busted Open and Mark Henry said at that very moment, you turned to JBL and said, that's going to be Mrs. Calloway. That may, that may or may not have happened. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the coolest story. So he don't look anything like what you like. And he picked you because you throw a football. And now you've got this amazing relationship. So this is, hey, guys, there's hope for all of you. Right? There is. <laughs> hope for everybody. <laughs> all right, last thing. No lying. We're friends now. So I want the truth. All right? Let's break it here. Truth. Are you coming back, both of you? Like, wh when are we going to see you back? legit don't no bs art will we see you back and when well my daughter doesn't like apparently i went back to the uh all women's pay-per-view to evolution because my daughter had never seen me wrestled mm. apparently she doesn't like seeing me get kicked and punched and all that um she doesn't mind her daddy in fact somebody asked if they wanted her if, if she wanted him to retire and she said no way like he still needs more practice because he can't even beat me and i was like oh Okay, but um, she, doesn't like to, she doesn't like to see me wrestle, but I do love it. And I've always just said all they have to do is ask. So, so that's a yes. That's a yes. We'll <laughs> see you back. And what about uh, you? I'm not, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm definitely not thrilled about working in front of no audience, <laughs> especially after elaborating on how, on, on how uh, I feed off of that crowd noise. What those guys are doing right now is really amazing. Working in front of yeah. zero people, they they really need a pat on the back for that because it isn't it is not easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just uh, you know we have there's two episodes yet to come uh, of the last ride. Um, I think the next episode airs on the 14th. Yes, yes. And then the 21st. Um, hopefully by the time we get there, I'll have a, a conclusive answer and um, can't wait to hear. <laughs> <laughs> he's answered this question very similarly for the last 30 plus years you guys so i have a sense i know what that answer will be but wouldn't it be cool maybe the first time there are large crowds never say never. that's all i'm saying never never say never brother you chasing that feeling you described earlier you chasing that feeling you know it he <laughs> wants that walk out he wants to execute he wants to do what he was born to do both of you so I can tell you, I love today. This was so good, so good. And uh, I'm here for you in your lives now. We're friends now. We're gonna get connected. I'm gonna get you my contact info. If there's anything I could ever do for either one of you, I am a text and a call away. So you're, you're beautiful family. And uh, I pray for nothing but great things for both of you in the future. And uh, thank you. You've helped so many people today. I guarantee you, when, when this comes out, you'll see. You're gonna see the feedback on social media and all the other places. So it was wonderful. So thank you both. Thank Thanks for so having much. us, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. And reminder, Max Out Two Minute Drill, everybody with me on Instagram every day. When I make a post, 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern, make a comment. Turn your notifications on. I pick winners. They fly in my jet. Come see me speak. They meet my guests. They get Max Out gear. All kinds of cool stuff. So engage with me on social media. If you miss the first two minutes, just make a comment every day. We pick winners at the end of the week. I announce the winners every Sunday. I do that so I can connect with you. I do it so I can bring you the guests that you want to hear and see like these two wonderful people and uh i want you to continue to max out your lives god bless you
This is the Admired Show.